0: What is up freaks? It's your boy Marty here to introduce this rip, rip 338 of TFTC. I sat down with Daniel Turner, co-founder of Power the Future to talk about energy policy in the United States and the communist tendencies of, of the green movement and the narrative battle that we find ourselves in at this particular point in time. It's an important one. We really need to get over the climate hysteria and the green transition hysteria. Lives depend on it. I think Daniel highlights some very key points and inconsistencies of of the narrative that's being put out there, stated end goals, and actual results that don't seem to compute. This was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. I mean, I'm sure if your freaks are listening to this today, you're aware of the news going on at Celsius and other um, yield farming lending platforms. I mean, this is why Unchained is a significantly better product. I mean, Unchained has a lending platform that is not going to rehypothecate your Bitcoin, and you can know this because they use Bitcoin's native sig properties. It allows you to hold a key to, to have some visibility into in the wallet that your Bitcoin is held in so you know that if you're paying back your loan, if you have sufficient margin, uh, you're going to be able to get your Bitcoin back at the end of the day because you know it's not being rehypothecated out, which seems to be happening at, at Celsius with their blow up. Um, even if you don't Want to engage in collateral, you don't want to use leverage. Um, you don't want to use your Bitcoin as collateral to get a loan. Unchain has other incredible products. Their vault, which again, leverages two or three multi-sig, allows you to eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. Single sig wallets holding all your Bitcoin on an exchange. Uh, Unchain's vault product helps you eliminate that single single point of failure it's a two or three multi-sig you hold two keys Unchain holds one you always have control over your UTXOs their concierge team is here to take you from zero to having a vault set up with a thousand cook bucks worth of sats in the vault tell them TFTC sent you you're going to get fifty dollars off if you're a wealthy individual if you're somebody's got a lot of bitcoin if you're a business looking to put bitcoin on the balance sheet and you want to hold your own keys call the concierge team at Unchained. Unchained.com slash concierge. Check it out. Check out everything they got going on. New and exciting products on the way too. Just a little teaser. Just a little teaser. Uh, this fruit was also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Price is dumping. Whew. Ash price is dumping too. If you have an ASIC out there, you have it plugged in and it's compatible with Brains OS Plus Firmware, which is an auto-tuning firmware that allows you to produce more hash and thus more sats. If you're in this hash price environment and you have an ASIC that's compatible with Brains and you're not running Brains on that ASIC, you're an idiot. Straight up idiot leaving sats on the table. You need to be making as many sats as possible in this low hash price environment. You are an irresponsible operator of your mining operation if you have an ASIC and you're not running brains on it don't be an idiot do you you don't want to be an idiot when your mom will look at you and say hey idiot you're not running brains download it now no you don't you want to go to mom and say mom i'm running brains she's a pat you on the head you like, I know i got i know i raised a very small sophisticated gentleman running brains on his on his ASIC Go to brains.com. B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. Become a sophisticated gentleman. Don't be an idiot. Don't leave stats on the table. Hash price is at like 10 cents. You get as much revenue as possible. Make it fucking happen. This is also brought to you. my Girlfriends friends at Huddle. Huddle Huddles here. They're bringing you a peer-to-peer exchange, peer-to-peer lending platform, and they're running one of the most high-signal Bitcoin conferences of the year in Riga, Latvia, September 3rd and 4th. Uh, there will be events all week. The Baltic Honey Badger Conference is back, baby. Baby, it's back. I missed 2020, 2021, 2022. We're all going to meet in Riga, Latvia, September 3rd and 4th. And that whole week there will be events. Uh, it's a cypherpunk movement for passionate Bitcoiners. It's Bitcoin only going to be a bunch of key players there. And again, it's going to be a whole Riga Bitcoin week. Jack Mallard is going to be there. Adam Back's going to be there. Sailor's going to be there. Myself, Matt O'Dell. It's going to be great. Go to BalticHoneyBadger.com Think about meeting us all down in Riga, Latvia later this summer, at the end of the summer. I think Hado Hado might have some announcements as well. Be on the lookout. If you want to go use their peer-to-peer Exchange, HODLHODL.com. If you want to use their lending platform, lend.hodlhodl.com. Hodl, Both products are no KYC, no AML, peer-to-peer. Great way to stack without the purview of the state review. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Join Crowd Health. Oh, that's the website, joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC is what you can use. This is a great way to opt out of an expensive, faceless, emotionless health insurance industry. Crowd Health is here to provide you with an alternative and they're implementing a Bitcoin strategy as well. So basically what you do when you join CrowdHealth, you sign up and you have a monthly fee that you pay. That fee goes to a dedicated bank account that you control. At the end of the day, if you want to leave uh, CrowdHealth, Uh, you can take the money from that bank account that you've been accumulating and take it. It It's yours. Um, But at the end of the day, you're decentralizing your healthcare. Uh, You build that account up and if you ever have a medical expense, you bring your bill to CrowdHealth. Uh, Number one, they negotiate the price down for you because they do what insurance companies are supposed to do but don't do. They go to the doctor and say, hey, let's get to a fair price here. So they'll negotiate the price down for you. You'll pay the first $500 of that bill and then that bill will be presented to the crowd health community, and you will crowdsource your healthcare. Um, and the, again, they're adding a Bitcoin aspect to it. Uh, part of your monthly bill will be allocated to Bitcoin if you join the Bitcoin community, and that um, will that you'll have a, a Bitcoin account built up alongside your your fiat cash bank account as well. So that over the long term, if you uh, expect to pay your monthly payments and not get sick, you can begin speculative attacking your your future healthcare cost by stacking Bitcoin alongside dollars in your CrowdHealth account. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC. The first 1,000 members who shine up, sign up for the CrowdHealth BTC community um, are going to receive $99 a month. So you're going to only pay $90, $99 a month, significant discount um, for the first six months. For the first 1000, go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends Upstream Capital. Upstream Capital. I got Unchained Capital and Upstream Data mixed up there. Sorry, Steve Barber. Upstream Data. If you're a miner. Again, hash price is low. Looks like ASICs are going to be on a fire sale here. So uh, if you're looking, not investment advice. Obviously, this is an ad read, not investment advice. If you are looking for low ASIC prices, the timing may be at some point this summer. If you are going to mine at home, Upstream Data produces the Black Box, which is a box that allows you to put two top-of-the-line ASICs in it, and you can mine from home. It takes care of sound, takes care of heat, um, and takes care of fire hazards. It's a beautiful thing. If you want to mine from home, no KYC sets, no AML sets. Uh, you buy a black box, get some A6, throw it in there, put it on the side of your house, mine, in peace. Again, no sound. And then, on top of that, too, oil and gas guy. Barrel of oil is pretty expensive right now. I'm sure you're making a lot of revenue. Gas. Natural gas price is pretty elevated, producing a lot of revenue as well. If you're looking to to diversify those revenue streams into some Bitcoin mining. Again, ASIC's probably going to be on fire sale this summer. Uh, Upstream data also builds um, modular containers that can live on the well pad, even if you're a utility uh, and you have a a centralized facility on grid. If you're a utility company, Upstream makes containers for you as well. Um, So a whole stack. If you're an at-home miner, if you're a utility company, if you're drilling upstream on the well pad, uh, upstream is building the infrastructure necessary for you to plug into the Bitcoin mining world. could be a great opportunity this summer. I am an upstream data customer myself. I own a hash hut, 50 kilowatt hash hut um, with the generator. So they produce a container for me. It comes with a the generator. They take care of everything. Uh, and I essentially, I, uh, and part owner of a natural gas, stranded natural gas well somewhere in the United States, bought the hash shut, plugged it into this well, put the ASICs in. It's been running flawlessly. We plugged it in January. Uh, we've had no downtime outside of oil changes, which we can make happen within 30 minutes. So uh, I can attest to the quality of the product. It works. It works beautifully well. Go to upstreamdata.ca to check out all this. If you're going to buy a black box, use the code FREAKS and you'll get 5% off their their bundle packages. If you buy a black box and ASICS together, use the code FREAKS, F-R-E-A-K-S, upstreamdata.ca um, to check out everything they have going on. Uh, if you buy one of their hash huts, their bigger huts, and you're using it at a utility or on the well pad, tell them that TFTC sent you um, when you fill out your your... Form, your contact form. Tell them the TFTC sent you. If you're buying a black box, use the code freaks for 5% off. Enjoy this it Talk about energy. Upstream data is helping monetize energy. Think about it. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts
1: all all the central banks going nuts so it's all acting like safe haven i believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency bitcoin wins in the world of fiat currencies bitcoin is the victor i mean that's part of the bull case for bitcoin
0: if you're not paying attention
1: you probably should be be. be.
0: (sighs) what is up freaks welcome back to tftc starting our monday off Hot here, sitting down with Daniel T- Turner from Power of the Future. Daniel, how you doing?
1: Oh, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. And it's not hot here in rural Virginia because it's luckily it's raining today. So it's very nice. My feels need a little break.
0: <laughs> well, we're down here in uh, Austin, Texas, where it feels like it's been 105 degrees for the last month straight. But um, well, like good. It.
1: it will be your first good test of the power grid in, in, in about 14 months. And let's see. Uh, <laughs> I know we're going to talk energy, so let's just jump into
0: it. right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, the grid down here in Texas is big and, it's it's weird to me because you have this free and open market with ERCOT and um, the energy capital of the United States, arguably, with all the oil and gas that we have down here. Yeah. Uh, and yet, like you mentioned, we had a, a blackout in February of 2021. 20, yeah. And, uh, it seems that that's the reason why I reached out to you. You run Power of the Future, which is um, an organization attempting to bring better conversation around energy policy in the United States. And you wrote an article that highlighted a chart from NERC that basically had a, a map of the United States with uh, two thirds of the United States, particularly the Western, two thirds of the United States at elevated or severe risk of of rolling blackouts this summer and sitting here in Texas and what's supposed to be the energy capital of the United States and having risk of elevated risk of blackouts this summer, uh, has me a bit uneasy, if you will. Like how, how did that, that NERC map come to be with all this unreliable grid systems?
1: I know it's, it's remarkable, right? I mean, it's remarkable to see, um, policy makers make such, Um, cataclysmically bad decisions. And they make them over and over again, year after year. And you know, I started the organization because of the folks in rural America, because they're the ones who, who produce our energy, right? They're the ones who, they get their hands dirty. And I like to think I get my hands dirty, right? I run a farm here in Virginia and you know, I'm up and I'm I'm covered in manure and and so I, I but but the, but I don't do it for a living, right? I mean, it's it's supplemental income and it's a great way to to stay healthy and I love it, um, but it is not my living. But there are men and women, 18 million of them, um, who really get their hands dirty for a living and they work in oil and gas and coal and and pipeline fitting and 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 fracking and trucking and. Um, and they power our entire economy, right? And they also do a lot of things. They, they grow our, they're the real farmers, right? They grow our food and they raise our cattle and um, they manufacture a lot of our goods and they fight our wars, right? Rural America is, is where, where our, our heart and soul is found. And, and, and yet it's the, the, the brain trust in Washington, D.C. and San Francisco and New York, the people whose hands are never dirty. They're the ones that make the policies, right? And they're the ones that that are lobbied with hundreds of millions of dollars on an annual basis to push an agenda or to believe this or to think that or invited to these conferences. Look at John Kerry. Every time he opens his yapper, he's in some other country sitting down at haughty tables and big wingback chairs, and they they have their notes in there. I think these people haven't gotten their hands dirty in 40, 50, 60 years, and they're the ones that make policy decisions. And so- How did we end up here? We ended up here because the men and women whose hands are dirty who know the way things work are never given a seat at the table. It's the idiots in DC and New York and San Francisco who think they know better. And what's the consequence of that? Well, food shortages and trucker shortages and inflation. But when it comes to energy, the result of that is, oh, yep, blackouts, they're on their way. Get ready, everyone. Blackouts are coming. And, and you have to scratch your head and have these conversations, Marty, which I'm glad, I'm truly, I'm glad you invited me. Have these conversations and take a step back and say, what the heck is going on, right? How did we end up here as America, as Texas? How did we end up here?
0: Yeah, uh, it's, it's something that perplexed me. So I, I don't know if you know the full history of this podcast, but this is a Bitcoin podcast. and. Uh, we talk a lot about energy here because of the Bitcoin mining energy, or excuse me, industry, which is very energy intensive. I myself have, have mining in, uh, operations and um, work professionally in that space as well. And, and it's just over the last four or five years, particularly the the Bitcoin mining industry has mm. been getting picked on for, for using too much energy. And that, so that sent me personally down a rabbit hole. I was like, all right, when yeah. is this really bad? like why are people uh, pinpointing out bitcoin and its energy use and, and picking on us for for just using electricity and so for the last 3 or 4 years I've been down this rabbit hole of really trying to understand why energy is important how it's produced and what it does for humanity and there's something yeah. weird that's really entered the the psyche of, of the greater american public where they they Believe many people believe idiotically that energy is bad and that humans are bad for using energy. And this yeah. this mimetic force that has been thrust on us probably for the last two decades, starting with Al Gore and the great climate change debate, um, has really just made people completely illiterate when it comes to energy, how it's produced, how it's delivered, why yeah. it's important.
1: Yeah, and and you raise a great point, which you know, if, if we were going to start from the very beginning, would probably be the conclusion. But let's start at the conclusion if necessary and work backwards. You raise a great point when you say, why are why are they attacking Bitcoin? Right? Why are we the bad guys? And the reason why is as you and your audience know, I mean, you're you're decentralized, right? You are are, are unauthoritarian, uh, right? It's it's a freedom agenda. I'm not at a bit. Bitcoin expert by any means, but but that's why, because they don't like what Bitcoin stands for. And so your energy is the bad energy. And, and it raises this question. So so do some people get to decide who has energy and who doesn't, right? Do some people get to decide who the winners and losers are in society whenever you have this command economy, um, right? The slippery slope towards, towards just flat out communism. Heck, we see that with Biden's executive order to produce Solar panels, right? I mean, he's using the Defense Production Act as if we're in a war, because according to him, we are in a war—a war against climate change, is the greatest existential threat mankind's facing. Ask his generals, right? You want to say what general told you that, Biden? And are they not paying attention to China? Um, but anyway, th- that is the war—the the, bit—the the, the climate change war—and um, and so he's get to use the Defense Production Act, and so we have a command economy. So you could use energy for that, because that's good energy. Right. You can use energy for mining uh, uh, for lithium and cobalt for electric vehicles because that's good energy. Right. Because we like the byproduct. We like we like the agenda behind the byproduct. Right. But but Bitcoin, bad energy. Right. And other types of energy will be bad. You know, I gave a conference over the weekend in Kansas talking about energy. It's what I do for a living. And I told this group of legislators, watch this summer when the grids start to falter and the, the utility companies have to selectively turn off sectors to protect the overall integrity, right? If you know the slightest thing about electricity or electric grids, you know it doesn't turn on and off, right? And especially it doesn't turn on, it doesn't turn on easily. Um, so what they will do is they will shut off sectors of the grid to protect its overall integrity so the whole thing doesn't falter. And, and watch what neighborhoods they shut off, right? If you look at past examples, California being the best one, the most salient one, New Mexico is soon to follow. New York last year, I'm originally from New York City, you may detect the accent a little bit. New York last summer in the height of its heat wave, what neighborhoods did they turn off? Brownsville in, in the Bronx, right? Greenpoint, I'm sorry, in, in Brooklyn, Greenpoint in Brooklyn, East New York in Brooklyn, poor, black, powerless, voiceless, they're the ones that get turned off, right? So I told these legislators, watch your electric grids across the country. And when the operators say, holy crap, the grid's going down, we got to turn off neighborhoods, Watch what neighborhoods get turned off. They're never going to be white. They're never going to be rich. They're never going to be powerful. They're never going to be influential. Malibu is fine. Right, <laughs> Hollywood Hills is fine. Silicon Valley is fine. But little powerless, voiceless sectors of the Central Valley of California, they're screwed. And that's, and that's what the future of electricity and power is in America, because we start choosing winners and losers based upon political ideology.
0: Yeah, and- I actually, before I moved to Austin, Texas, I was living in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, for, oh, about, there you si- go. for about six years, and uh, right as I was leaving, they shut down the Indian Point nuclear power plant on the Hudson, yeah, and uh, it's so weird, the framing from that side of the energy debate, the people who want us to use less energy, the anti-human communist zealots. Uh, uh, they frame it as we need to save humanity. We need to save humans and the planet. Uh, and and uh, we need to enact these policies, particularly anti-fossil fuel policies, because fossil fuels are polluting and hurting the poor the most. However, uh. they, they'll say that, but when they implement their policy, particularly in New York, when they shut down Indian Point Power Plant, the the... Results of that policy are higher electricity costs for poor, which is uh, one of their most vital month to month expenses. And then, as you just yeah. mentioned, the increased probability or possibility of their electricity being shut off.
1: Yeah. You, you look at the countries that have gone greener faster than America, it's not like we don't have a roadmap. Right. I mean, we can look at other countries around the world and say, look what they've done and look what's worked. Right. It, it's uh, you know, the, the, the Green Movement is a, is a communist movement. Let's just make no bones about it. It's truly deeply rooted in Marxism. So all of this nonsense of for the planet or for the good, of that's all just a lie. That is the, that is the cover. But it, the communists, all they need to do is look at history and say, where has it worked? Right. But no, we're going to try it because this time right? ask the true believer this time it will be the right communism and we'll make it succeed. You know, Hugo Chavez was convinced of that um, and and, and now look at the state of Venezuela. Um, But you look at the green movement, you say, where has it worked? Right. Germany's twenty five years ahead of America in going green. They pay five or six times what we pay for electricity uh, per household. Um, They pay three or four times what we pay for for gas to fill up their car. Um, They emit more per capita than they did 20 years ago. Um, And now they're cowering before uh, uh, Russia because they are desperate for power. They're buying nuclear from France at a premium. So kudos to the French. You know, if we wanted to talk about nuclear and people like nuclear is scary, dude, if the French can go nuclear, then the Americans can go nuclear, right? (laughs) But that's aside, But look at Germany and we say, well, why do we want to follow Germany's footprints? Why why do we want to follow this model? Well, no, 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 Germany didn't do it right. We we will implement the green agenda the the, the right way. Great. Yeah, because Germans are always known for their inefficiency right? So, so I just don't know where they think it's going to succeed. And then let's centralize that to America. Look at the states that have gone greener faster. California prides itself. And, and it's a bipartisan pride, right? I mean, Schwarzenegger was as green as Gavin Newsom is. Um, look at California. Look at, look at what they pay for electricity. Look at, look at the, the state of their electric grid. You know, They're so proud of our, we're going green. Well, you're buying coal from Oregon and Nevada, you're just paying those states more money to keep your your, your your state electric grid afloat, right? You're turning off poor neighborhoods. You have brownouts and blackouts in the middle of Dodgers games because you, can't, you don't have enough power to run the city at nighttime during the summer. So why do we want to follow California's model? And you want to talk about bipartisan stupidity. This is going to get me in trouble, but you have to say it. Your state where you live now, the great state of Texas, it was Republican governors who bought into the by X year, we got to go 25 percent renewable because somehow in my head, I have been convinced by the greens that fossil fuels are bad. Just a little bit. Right. Like just a little bit to say, you know what, we probably should go green by 2025 or 2030. And why? Why? Well, you know, it's, it's good for I I will never buy any of those premises. This whole lie of renewables are clean, net zero by 2030, carbon neutral. Those are all made up lies of the left. And the right embraces that that language. And then we try to play these games on their terms. And whenever you play the game with someone else's rules, you're always going to lose. And that's and and Texas is losing. Quite frankly, I hate to say it. Texas is losing and they're going to lose. And you know who's going to lose the most? The 246 people who died last year in those storms because they died of the elements, because their government failed them, and they are nameless. I don't know one of their names, and I do this for a living, and I don't know one of their names. But I bet you their family knows their names, and no one built them a statue, and no one looted Macy's and burnt down the police station as a result. No one rioted. Just 246 people, we say, oh, wow, that's tragic. That old lady froze to death in her home because we bought into the belief that fossil fuels are bad. Ah, no one's in a lifetime storm. And if we go green faster, Marty, we'll prevent it. It's You can see why I don't shut up about these things, because the more you dive into them, just the angrier, but the more committed you have to get, committed to defeat them.
0: Yes. no, I. I these policies are dangerous number one they're putting lives at risk and then number two i really love that you said do not accept their frame do not play by their rules we need to begin shifting the framing of this conversation and taking control of the frame because when you try to work within the framework that these zealots give you you're going to lose and so that's like in the bitcoin mining industry That's one thing I've been pushing back on for the last two years is you have a lot of people here in the United States Bitcoin mining industry who are just bending over backwards to appease the the green movement saying, hey, look how many renewable um, energy, how much renewable energy we use in the mine. Look at what we're incentivizing. Look at this demand response program. And like you said, at the beginning of the episode, like nothing that you say you can use 100% solar power to mine bitcoin and they'll just come at you and say well that should be used for something else eventually like nothing yeah. will ever be good enough for these people and then with texas yep. particularly too like like you mentioned so these these green transition policies started like rick perry and then george bush was pushing it behind the scenes as well <laughs> so yeah it is a bipartisan issue and i think with wind and solar particularly here in texas it's like rick perry and george bush just Trying to grift off of credits that they could get, <laughs> and and like they, I don't even think they care about the green meme. I think they care about the the grift around um, like renewable credits and, and the subsidies. Yeah, that and come and, the, and
1: it gets them off. It gets the, the the renewables crowd off their back, and that's what if you're running for office. Ultimately, you know, you have to try to appease people on the other side to just get rid of that constituency. So it's easy as a fossil fuel loving Texan to say, well, let's just throw them an olive branch, right? Let's just let's just give them and, and that is, you know there's a great radio host in your state who's, a, who's also a friend of mine, Jesse Kelly and and he always talks about the Communist and what the communist does and the communist says. And one of the things I was literally texting with him over the weekend about this, the communist will well he says, said something like if they win a hundred wars and conquer uh, 99 islands in those hundred, All they will think about is the one they didn't conquer. And that's the way the communists work. And that's the way the Green Movement works, right? They are never going to be appeased to say, well, you know what, Marty, we worked with him and now 100% of his Bitcoin mining is solar. That's not good enough, you know, until, until he is gone or until we, they are never appeased. And so a lot of, you know, Republican governors and mayors and elected leaders will make these olive branches thinking, well, if we just work with them a little bit. You know, maybe then we can. And and heck, if you want to just talk flat out politics, just wait till January of next year. Republicans will win the Senate. They'll win the House and they will say, well, you know what, let's sit down now and have bipartisan common sense solutions to find a a common cause to solve the climate issue. And it's like, oh, there we go. We're done. Right. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Right. They're not going to put their foot down and say fossil fuels are great and they save lives and they make the world a better place. Um, they're gonna say, well, you know what? We need to work with the Bernie Sanders of the world to find solutions to because that's what you do when you're weak. You appease, and and boy, I envy the left because they are never appeasers. Right? <laughs> they will. They will. They they will not compromise on a thing. And and I just I admire their their fight. I wish we had some of it in us. I know I got it. I think you do. But boy, a lot of our elected leaders certainly do not. (laughs) They do not.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's why I like to focus on Bitcoin because I think a lot of the power, that the left or the right, like I personally am not a fan of politics or politician. I think voting is a losing battle uh, and the only way out of this mess is to actually do something and Bitcoin allows us to do something. Most importantly, allows us to uh, defund <laughs> these yeah. activities by taking control of the money and taking it out of the government's and the central bank's hand where you can't just print money and throw it at a bunch of renewable credits or print money and subsidize some uh, projects that otherwise wouldn't be financed if if money wasn't able to be printed out of thin air. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to like appeasing these... Zealous like, and actually, before we get to that, like, how? So, I'm sure there are people listening at home, like, ah, oh, these guys are just crazy conservative. Like, I'm, I'm definitely probably lean t- more conservative, like, to consider myself centrist, but I do believe that this movement is communist. And like, what are the? Yeah. W- if somebody says, like, all right, you're just like uh, ad hominem calling people communists. What mm-hmm. are what are the, like the facts? That we can point to that say, no, these people want a redistribution of wealth and a uh, state ownership of industry (laughs) and central control of the economy. Like what can we point to?
1: Well, energy is one of the probably the last great industry in America that is in pretty much private hands, meaning the means of productions are in private hands. And yes, there are some publicly traded companies you can buy on the exchange, but it is not unlike probably every other country in the world. It is not a state run industry. And if you are a statist, maybe I'll elevate them to that level rather than call them a communist. I'll be polite for a second and say, if you're a statist, if you believe in the power of government and the power of the state, then you can't have that, right? I mean, look look at, oh, we just have an example from, from a decade ago, look at Obamacare, right? You can't have healthcare in private hands, private individuals and their doctors. You need to have a central command control from the government, and we will force you onto that program. Um, and obviously look at the results when it comes to prices, right? Has anyone's healthcare gotten better? Is anyone living longer? Is anyone thinner or healthier? Um, is anyone paying less? No, of course not. You know, if if, if healthcare as as in terms of, of real medicine is, has, has been the same, but prices have tripled, right? And that's what happens when the state gets involved. So, so the first proof of that is, or the first reason why I call them communists or statists is because they cannot allow this industry to exist in the hands of the private sector. The way you get it out of the hands of the private sector is to implement the alternative and that is the green agenda. There has been really no um, private sector mass wind or solar interest ever. It is all command and control. It is all state run. It is state required mandates that say, you know, by the year 2035, Austin will get X percent of its electricity from renewable. Well, that sets up market signals that says, okay, well, someone's got to start building solar panels and wind farms. Great. Who's going to be in charge of that? Who's selling the land, right? Who's making those wind and solar? And they're going to point to that and say, no, that's all the private economy. That's all the private sector. We don't own those wind and solar factories, right? We don't even own the land. It's all a private farmer. How great this is. But the only reason why it exists is because government's requiring it, right? Um, so it, it is just that it is a top-down... Uh, command uh, uh, economy, and how well does that ever work, right? There's no other indication, there's no other moment in history that can show that a state-run command economy has has been successful. It's, it's just not. Or it's only, quote-unquote, successful if you have it backed by the authoritarian power of, of China, where you have facial recognition and credit systems and, um, and, and complete censorship of, of freedoms and of the internet and of speech. Uh, etc. So, you know, if you want to look into China to your success, well, then there you go. But the sad thing is, the scary thing is, is our leader do look to China as a success. Mm-hmm. And they say that how great their system is working. If only we could we could have that here. But philosophically, um, I, I would say this often and, and I can't get past this notion, but philosophically, if in your personal life you do not live what you want the government to force others in their personal life to live, then then you're not just a hypocrite or you are truly my mortal enemy. You're right, and you need to be destroyed. Um, I, I can tell you till I'm blue in the face that cigarettes are bad for you and you shouldn't smoke. And by the way, I love my cigarettes and my tobacco products and I'm never quitting them, but I will be the first to admit that they're not good for you. But But I'm not trying to ban you from doing that. And you look at the the green movement and you say, there are people who will tell you fossil fuels are evil and we have to get rid of them. And they wanna use the power of government to do that. But in their personal life, what do they live, right? Will John Kerry ever give up his private jet or his seven homes? Michael Bloomberg has 14 homes around the world uh, and, and, and a fleet of private jets and helicopters. Now I don't begrudge him his wealth and I got to tell you, if I was worth $60 billion, uh, I would have a fleet of private jets and homes around the world as well. But Michael Bloomberg wants the rest of us to give up those raw materials of fossil fuels that will enable us to achieve wealth and prosperity. But he's not going to give them up, right? And 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 you just see that across the board when it comes to this movement. So in their personal life, they don't want to give them up. They won't give them up, but they want to use the power of government to force you to do that i mean it's the same we saw during COVID, right where where i will force the people to live a certain way but i will exempt myself right because i need to get my hair done if i'm you know nancy pelosi i need to go on vacation if if i'm deborah burks right i need to see my family i need to so they were exempted and they will tell you well no it was it was you know it's essential that i do it the governor of uh New Mexico, Michelle Lujan Grisham, who's in a tight election, and I hope she gets destroyed. Right. She had a jewelry store open so she could go shopping. She's the governor. She doesn't have to pay attention to these stupid mandates. You do. And we will come after you with the police if necessary. But I can exempt myself. The Green Movement has been doing this for 30 years. And and so to answer any of your and I. I Get long-winded. I apologize. Is no, I, I love Long-form, but I like to give the whole story. So if anyone listening is like, you tell me how they're communists. There you go, buddy. That's how they're communists. And if you don't believe that, you just need to look at the example they set. At the height of the Soviets' misery and depression and the gulags and the starvation, not one communist party leader was wanting for vodka or caviar. They like to say Bernie Sanders is a communist. He's not. He's a party leader. The Communist Party leaders had a great friggin' life. They had cars, they had vehicles, they had jeans, they had Rolling Stone albums, they had everything they wanted. So Bernie Sanders is not a communist. He's a Communist Party leader. We are the ones who will be the communists, meaning we will be poor, oppressed, and controlled by, by the state. Yeah. Rant over it. Ask your next question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. No, I mean, you're seeing this communist. These communistic tendencies leak into private markets as well with ESG. And you have like the Black Rocks, the state streets, vanguards of the world using the massive amounts of capital they've accumulated passively by people who are just putting their retirement funds into the index funds managed by these companies. And then they're able to take individuals' retirement funds and then allocate it to buy shares of of companies that block rock BlackRock then gets to vote on behalf of their customers. And so they found this roundabout way to accumulate a bunch of money, buy a massive amount of shares of most of the companies that exist in public markets, and then BlackRock, on behalf of their customers, even though their customers most likely don't even understand or know what's going on, begin to influence policy of these individual companies. Uh, And again, use that capital accumulation and Allocation strategy to try to control private industry or not public public markets and and control whole industries will say hey we're not going to give you money uh, if you don't do this that or the other thing if you don't bend the knee to critical race theory the green movement yeah. whatever the the flavor of the day is.
1: The one of Obama's senior advisors, a guy named Brian Deese, after Obama administration was done, he went to BlackRock and he headed up their ESG efforts for four straight years of the previous administration. He headed up the ESG efforts. He talked about how they were divesting from all fossil fuel products. He forced other, you know, subsidiaries to divest from fossil fuels. He led a charge to say we can no longer be because climate change is a real threat. What does Brian Deese now do? He is the head of the Biden uh, economic team. What is the Biden economic team doing? They are using command and control to say, we will have a uh, defense production act for the manufacture of solar panels. Who do you think is invested in solar panels? Right, so you're gonna tell me the guy who led a movement in the private sector for four years to direct trillions of dollars of or hundreds of billions of dollars of wealth into certain tranches and now has the power of government to use government spending on those tranches? You're gonna tell me, well, this is a free market. You know, I am a free market person, but people who think we live in a free market sometimes need a rude awakening. There's nothing free about that, right? I mean, how how does Brian Deese even have a job? The, the, The guy should be absolutely conflict of interest and not just Brian Deese, there are four or five people in the Biden administration who have similar portfolios who were all former Blackrock guys. So so you're you're making a great point. Um, you know this this is the type of of state-led economics um, that is the slippery slope towards just complete command and control economy. And then people are like how are we truly 30 trillion in debt? How are we, you know, because every industry has been doing this, right? Healthcare has been doing it. Pfizer, Moderna did it the last two years. No, we can the go defense. all the way back
0: to Bush Cheney yeah. with Halliburton. Oh, God, like yeah. That. The whole defense yeah.
1: complex has been doing it for since Eisenhower, right?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But but this is some scary stuff. And, and then our Congress people, it's like, we need to have a hearing about whether or not, you know, we're using the right pronouns. It's like, how about you have a hearing on these people with this enormous power? No. No one cares about that. No, you no. Know, look at their portfolios. Look at Congress's stock portfolio. There's a great Twitter handle called um, Big Whales, uh, Unusual Whales. I forget the name of it. That just mm-hmm. tracks all the top members of Congress and how well they're doing. And you say, boy, the market's getting crushed. Not these guys. They're good. They all got out in time. It's amazing how that happens.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the Pelosi portfolio tracker, uh, much better index than the Jim Cramer index.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Remarkable, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's um. No, it's uh, we lived in this two tiered system, and again, I don't want to inundate with you too much Bitcoin propaganda, but that's why, like we what we say on this podcast a lot: fix the money, fix the world. These people can't misallocate capital and direct industry, yeah, if they don't have control of the money, which Bitcoin takes from them. Yes, it's been a Absolutely. tough tough week for for the price of bitcoin but the the inherent nature and fundamental value of the distributed network um are uns is unscathed uh, throughout this price yeah. dump and um I, I think if we're ever I mean, you just go back to friedrich hayek um we're never going to fix the money until we find a sly roundabout way to take it from the hands of the government and that's what bitcoin is no. once we get the money out of the hands of the government we be can begin to act like adults and actually allocate capital efficiently and properly and not have these mi- mixed price signals enter the market via yeah. money printing and Look, government and, and handouts. Anyone dumping
1: on, on Bitcoin this week or Ethereum, and I do own both, um, you know, your argument would be valid if every other market and, 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 and industry wasn't tanking simultaneously. So it's like, what, what? So Bitcoin is also affected by, you know, larger global markets. Well, there's a shock. Right, well, but I mean, if if the stock market were up fifteen percent and not down, uh, uh, you know, then then you would have maybe an argument to say it's not working. But clearly, you know, everyone is is afraid of every single commodity or purchase right now. Everyone's moving to cash, and I don't blame them because look at where we are, you know, in terms of in terms of uh, 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 just just overall economics and 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 current trends and where we're headed towards this recession. So if you move into cash. I don't blame you. I would move to cash. Actually, I have moved a lot of cash.
0: No, I mean, uh, this is very pertinent to this discussion around energy policy. I mean, we have record high inflation or a 40-year high inflation as measured by the CPI. If you actually uh, did a, a basket of goods that was representative of your everyday Americans' monthly uh, consumption goods, it's probably significantly higher and a lot uh, this is being driven by a few things. Number one, money printing. Number two, the attempt of the government to centrally plan the economy with the lockdowns uh, mm-hmm. after COVID uh, and the repercussions of those lockdowns and poor energy policy. Um, you have fucked up supply chains and then the the energy industry hasn't had um, the sufficient investment in reliable energy sources. And so we're... we're finding ourselves in a beautiful shitstorm storm uh, yeah. of policy decisions from all angles that are really putting the average American citizen in, in an extremely precarious situation, which is it's you said recession. I wouldn't be surprised that depression is around the corner. Like I think yeah. you what we're seeing right now, again, going back to like communism and um, the fall of empires and how, Things get really fucked up. You go back to Weimar Republic, and if you look at the parallels between not only the United States, I think I like to say like we're witnessing Weimar Republic part deux, but on a global scale, like it's happening in yeah. Europe, it's happening in the United States. You have decadence, you have um, you, you have cultural rot, you have money printing, you have shutdown of industry, and all of this stuff that has happened in the last five, six years here in the United States and the Western world was happening in Weimar a hundred years ago.
1: Yeah. And you have just general lawlessness which contribute which contributes to it as well. Um, and, and there's an awful lot swirling. Um, our our elected leaders lack empathy. And I don't mean that in like the 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 the, the modern sense of of uh, uh, wokeness. Um, but but in the sense that Look, it wasn't my shop that was burned down. But as an elected person who represents that district, I have to understand that for the people who own that shop or live on that street, that that it's a huge deal. And I need to find, you know, if government is a problem, if government could propose a solution, if I'm not an anarchist, I I really am not. Um, But our elected leaders don't have that. And so they say, well, the baby formula shortage is, is a problem. But I mean, it's not really a problem for them because they don't have a shortage. You know, you probably know something about baby formula as a dad, right? I mean, you probably feel it differently um, than than someone who doesn't have kids or someone who isn't well-connected. Nancy Pelosi prides herself on like her 9,000 grandkids. Did any of them have a baby formula shortage? And if they did, you know she would be addressing it from the podium, but it didn't bother her. And just like high gas prices don't bother them because, and so when I say that empathy is lacking, I mean that. We have these elected leaders, and this goes into the very beginning when I said why I started this conver- this organization. We have these elected leaders who are so removed from the issues of the people they represent, uh, and not only removed, sometimes they have true disdain. I mean, you look at folks running for office right now, and I am in the political space. I know you're, you're not political, but I am in this space, and I have to follow this for a living. But you look at the folks who are running for office, and you look at the, almost the contempt they have for who makes up their state. You know, they, they want to represent San Francisco. They want to represent New York. They want a cosmopolitan. Remember they called Obama's maskless 60th birthday party a sophisticated audience? Mm-hmm. They want sophisticated constituents. But a lot of Americans aren't sophisticated in their terms. They're hardworking, blue-collar people with dirty hands who like beer, and they like their local barbecue joint, and they go to church. And they just want to be left the hell alone on their land with their trucks and their guns and and their elected leaders hate them for that. And so, how do we change that? We change it by controlling the money, right? We change it by controlling the energy. We can change it by controlling the healthcare. And then, when things don't work out for them, and we ship their jobs to Mexico or to China, or we'll, what do we say? Learn to code, right? <laughs> you. you, you, you you need to find the new, you know what, what I was, I was in the process of starting this organization because I knew it needed it. I, I could, I could feel the vacuum and it was bothering me so much. And there was one of those world economic forum meetings and I was watching it because I like to torture myself. Um, that's why I'm a giants fan. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like to torture myself and I was watching it and Michael Bloomberg and Christine Lagarde, were were on the panel with, I think it was Strauss Kahn at the time before he was arrested for Yeah, before
0: you um, got, he got yeah, raping exactly. people.
1: And 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 they were talking about, you know, climate change and the role. Of, and Michael Bloomberg talked about the coal miners, you know, and and he said something like, well, you know what, we put murderers in prison. Um, you know, we get rid of people who do bad things. And look, coal miners, and I'll never forget this phrase, coal miners, we can find something else for them to do but we need to, and then he went on. And of course, everyone in the audience all gave a polite applause. And I'm starting this organization and I'm trying to figure out what it has to do. And, I, and that was it. When I was like, when someone like Michael Bloomberg, who's worth $60, 70000000000 billion, sits there with Christine Lagarde and, and, and Strauss-Kahn and says, we need to find something else for them to do. We, we the people on this stage, we the powerful, You know, something else. Do you look at your job, Marty, as something else, right? How many of the people listening right now are like, I could do this or I could do something else. Just please, Michael Bloomberg, direct me what I should be doing. John Kerry, when he said, you know, the Keystone Pipeline guys, well, now they have a better option. They have a better option for a green job. And everyone clapped. And I thought, that's it. We can find something else for them. That's the empathy part. It's not us. Michael Bloomberg's daughter is fine. Right? No one's coming after her $30 million horse farm in Westchester. She's cool, right? All the John Kerry kids, all of them are fine, the grandkids. No one's coming after their job, right? But, but we will find something else for them because that's the energy sector. It's nameless, faceless, powerless people. Learn to code, right? Maybe if you make it to that level, then you can have a seat at the table. But up till then, that's, that's the structure that America's headed into. And it is the stuff you mentioned, Weimar Republic. I've been stuck on the French Revolution for years now, and those peasants who lived under the the, the Marquis de Lafayette or the uh, you know the the Duke of Orleans, and you live on his land, and everything you do goes to him, and he he's at Versailles, and he's been at Versailles for four years, and he's fat, and he's fed, and he's banging everybody. And, and he's a feet, and he's he's powdering his nose and he's got little birthmarks and he's got little things in his hair and and they're dancing and they're singing. And you're you're this peasant. And all you do is work and hunger and your kids are dying and you're starving. And, and all you do is work and pay taxes. And then people look back and they're like, was the French Revolution so bloody what was wrong with these good Christian people? How is it so bloody? Because generation after generation grew up with that. And they saw their duke or their marquis or their landlord and said, I'm not just going to depose that guy. I'm going to chop him up into little itty bitty brits and burn them on fire and stomp on his bones and grind them up into a powder. And we're going to bake it into a cake. And all of those things happened, as gross as it sounds. There's a lot of... Weird cannibalism after events of what they did to the noble class in the French Revolution. And people were like, oh, it was say cat satanic. It was disgusting. It was. But after 100 years of just misery, m- maybe you can understand people's anger. People. And, and I, I hate to say it. I think we are headed in that direction. We have a fat effete class that is ruling over us and the people are just told, maybe we'll take your guns next. Hmm. Maybe we'll take your electricity. Hmm. Maybe you shouldn't have Bitcoin mining. Hmm. The revolution is going to be ugly. It's going to be so ugly that the, may I shouldn't call it the revolution before I get in trouble, the blowback <laughs> is going to be so ugly that the good people of the world are just going to be so tired by that point, they're just going to sit back and watch it happen. I am sure there was a nice, noble, present woman who watched them chopping this guy to bits who thought, this is wrong. But you know what? At that point, she was so tired, she just let it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's... I th- but I think today, like, I mean, I, I could definitely see the blowback. Like, It is, I mean, we're seeing violence on the rise um, throughout the country, It's undeniable. People are becoming desperate, becoming hungry. They're unable to fill their gas tanks. They're unable to pay their electricity bills. And just as people are unable to fulfill the needs on the lower substrate of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they're going to go out and and react to that inability to take care of their their most basic needs and that
1: typically only two people in congress know what maslow's hierarchy of needs is by the way two <laughs> maybe three so right right now you've lost almost all of congress but i'll let you continue
0: it's it's, it's you're creating the conditions i mean people are like oh these zealots but like you were just again looking at history understanding human nature and like you're pushing yeah people to the brink. and But one thing I do want to say, I do think uh, like going back to Learn to Code, I think one c- comparing ourselves to like Weimar or the French Republic, one advantage that we have today in 2022 is this communication technology about the ability that we're able to sit down here and have this conversation. I do think that uh, given that we live in the information age, that, and that we have tools like Bitcoin, um, a lot of the problems that existed in Weimar and french republic were exacerbated by the fact that the the peasant class and the um the poor classes in, the, in those civilizations didn't have any opt-out solutions where um they were forced to take the propaganda of the state that they were living under they were forced to um what only- if
1: twitter decides this podcast is way too dangerous and because it's it's potentially threatening then there we goes get, our communicate what you know yeah then we that's get kicked the next off- step
0: and we get kicked off Twitter, but luckily we have podcasting, which is distributed via RSS feeds. not, so we not get until
1: that they they go to Google and MSN, M- uh, 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 MS oh not MSNBC, uh, Microsoft Network, MSN, yeah, and they say or Amazon cloud services, and they say you know what, this Marty guy, he is a danger, and they're like, well, now you're deplatformed from that as well.
0: Well, this hey, this is this is why Bitcoin's important. We're building, yeah, uh, we're building. So like. There's a thing called Podcasting 2.0 started by Adam Carey, who was the original inventor of the podcast. Uh, he invented podcasting. He runs his own podcast, No Agenda, still to this day with John C. Dvorak. Um, and he he's building Podcasting 2.0, which is an iteration on the original podcasting platform. And podcasting as a medium is truly the, the last bastion of decentralized distributed media because yeah. it goes through an RSS feed. And he's found a way... So let's say, God forbid, um, all the big tech companies say, all right, Marty's talking too much sense. We need to kick him off. We need to team up with PayPal, MasterCard, Visa, and cut off his ability to accept uh, payments from uh, advertisers or users who want to send him money. Um, Adam Carey and teamwork on Podcasting 2.0 has found a way to inject Bitcoin into the RSS feed. So actually people were listening to this podcast Right now, thousands uh, of individuals of the tens of thousands that listen to this show are using podcasting apps that are podcasting 2.0 compatible.
1: they're
0: They're streaming. And if, let's say you had a Bitcoin address, a Lightning Network address, I could plug it in uh, specifically for this episode and people, as they listen, if they're getting value from this conversation, they could stream sats, uh, little bits of Bitcoin to myself, yourself, My producer sitting um, behind the camera here automatically, and nobody can stop that. PayPal can't stop that. So, in terms of creating a more robust and uh, distributed content distribution platform, Bitcoin enables that. It's being built out, and I do think, getting back to the point that led me on this diatribe, like we just need to win the information war. It's about narratives, and so going back to like learn to code, one of the most potent things that we can do with the communists and the green movement is just hold up a mirror and project and so like learn to code is one of my favorite examples of that because you had bloomberg and all the the um the rich elite the champagne socialists the limousine socialists like saying yeah just go learn to code and then you had like the new york times and all the the lapdog journalists um like parroting that like yeah we're just gonna teach everybody code learn to code learn to code like and you had literally had like blue check checkmark journalists who would like hop into people's menches? Who'd be like, "Hey, um, this is pretty messed up, and I'm losing my my coal mining job or my job on the well pad in North Dakota." And like a journalist would just hop in and say, "Learn the code." Um, but again, the power of memes, the power of projection. When <laughs> the media industry went through uh, a, a series of layoffs, all those like lower. Uh, your average American your blue collar worker began to hop in their menchies and the journalists were crying woe is me I got laid off from the New York Times <laughs> in yeah. their mentions going learn to code and then they were like, oh, you guys are they being... got made. banned
1: off Twitter for saying that. That yeah. was considered illegal on Twitter.
0: Yeah. yeah, but the highlights, it's like one of those things, you, you, you yep. find a glitch in the matrix where it's like, hey, you can say this to <laughs> us, but we can't say it to you. And that's yeah. the power. It's literally, we have to ridicule these people. We have to make fun of them because they're, they're idiots at the end of the day. They think they're... I, I, I go back and forth. Are they incompetent? Are they nefarious? I, it's probably a combination of the two. Um, yeah. But like, I think, again, framing... Narrative projecting. Just hold up a mirror to these people. Like you said, like John Kerry, you're Michael Bloomberg, you're flying private jets all over the world. You got multiple houses. You actually don't believe what you're preaching here.
1: Um, yeah. And again, I don't begrudge them their wealth. You know, Bloomberg no. cr- clearly created a product. He was, he was, you know, not from a wealthy family. He created a product and did very well for himself. And he's worth $60 billion. Kudos. That's the American dream. Um, you know, John Kerry made his money a lot easier. It's, I, I, I'm married to find a rich widow,
0: you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, catch up, catch up. Who I, mean, knew? No catch offense, up. I am married,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if someone came along, um, but, but, um, but, but when I mentioned like the lack of empathy, it's also, and you said, is it incompetence or is it really nefarious? The incompetence slash empathy is the thing that bothers me the most in the energy conversation. Um, Because I don't think our elected leaders understand how things are made and the millions of steps. It's that I pencil story, right? The millions of transactions that had to happen um, for for us to enjoy or or purchase or participate in the economy. Um, And I think of an example, and I don't mean to dunk on uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez because she's easy to dunk on. But this is an example of this incompetence slash lack of empathy when she was just getting started. And she was, you know, trying to make a name for herself uh, during the polar vortex uh, in New York City. So it must have, it was winter of, I guess it was 19. Um, she was doing an Instagram live, just like we're doing right now, except it was on Instagram. And she was cutting up fruit, making a fruit salad, talking to her viewers about how she was going to get rid of fossil fuels and how bad fossil fuels are and how the world's going to end because of climate change. And she didn't have the wherewithal or the being to understand that like fruit in New York City in the polar vortex is only possible because of climate uh, because of fossil fuels, not just the production, the manufacturing, the, 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 the harvesting, the transportation. Um, but like you bought an, a, a mango you know, at the store downstairs for whatever price, you, at a price point you could afford, right? It's only because of, of, of fossil fuels and and the whole internet streaming and the device you're streaming on and, and the millions of people watching you. Uh, so I look at that and I say, boy, fossil fuels are incredible. Um, she doesn't understand that it's only possible because of fossil fuels. And then the incompetence part is she thinks it's going to be easily replicated if we have this, this wind and solar world but wind and solar doesn't replace the need for plastics. It doesn't replace the need for rubber. It doesn't replace the need for nylon and um, for 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 microfibers, right? It doesn't replace the ability to mine the amount of copper and graphite and gold and lead and cadmium and nickel and cobalt and lithium and and all these other metals and minerals and rare earths that we need to power my laptop right now, my cell phones that are sitting here, my. Right. Like, like that's yeah. so you you look at the fossil fuel world and some people only see bad. That's the communist. And they say, how can I take this over to put it in the place in place that the way I think it should be constructed? Um, and I look at it and say, boy, this is incredible. Look, look at what fossil fuels have done for mankind. Um, why would we ever want to tinker with it? But but we have a lot of lots of tinkerers.
0: Well. This gets to one of the main points I wanted to touch on. I'm happy we're segueing into it now and what we were discussing in DMs. I shared... 15
1: minutes in, and we're finally yeah. getting to the first point. <laughs> well, Sorry. no, I, I, shared,
0: I shared the video of Janet Yellen on Capitol Hill uh, at this point. It was like two weeks ago where uh, she was forced to come explain what's going on with inflation. And obviously we have commodities, inflation, particularly in uh, oil, and natural gas. And, and she went in front of Congress and just bold-faced lies. So what I'm trying to get to is like, we need to, again, talking about narrative framing, she went in front of Congress and said there was no way that the United States could have insulated ourselves from the shocks to the oil and gas supply chains that are emanating from uh, Russia and, and the war in Ukraine. There's nothing we could have done here to um, better prepare or make ourselves more energy independent, specifically around oil and gas. Um it, like we're completely beholden to foreign supply chains when it comes to, to oil and gas markets, uh, which means we need to really lean into wind and solar. So they're trying to right now. So like the other side, the communist side is trying to frame things like we can't even, if we wanted to um, secure ourselves with oil and gas here in the United States. Uh, The only way we can do it, uh, make ourselves more energy secure is to fully transition to wind and solar. And this is just an abject lie. Is that, yeah. is that correct?
1: Absolutely. Um, and, and there's so much to unpack there. Um, again, let's start with the, the finale and work our way backwards. Um, China manufactures 70% of the wind and solar right now. The rare earth market, which, which powers them, which enables them to function, um, they have 95% of that market. So if you want to say, Janet Yellen, that we need to uh, unshackle ourselves from the power of OPEC, well, then why are we shackling ourselves to the power of of China? So so any conversation about wind and solar, let's just separate the fact that they don't work and they're inefficient and they're incredibly expensive. Uh, Let's just pretend that they do work, right? If if there's no conversation about American sovereignty and being unshackled from larger geopolitical forces, if we don't make them here in America, and there's no effort to make them here in America. I've mentioned a couple of times now the Defense Production Act authorization for solar panels. It, it still, it just gives a blank check to China, right? There's no effort to say, let's make them here. It's just, we need to buy more of them. We need to get more of them. So great, um, you know, a lot more nine-year-old girls are gonna be constricted into labor from those Uyghur camps to start making more solar panels because Joe Biden wants them. So so right there is, is a big fallacy. Um, and then secondly, when it comes to oil and gas, Um, You know, the only reason why we're not producing more is because of the climate this administration has created, not the climate change climate, the regulatory, the economic climate that makes it a a bad investment. Um, And that just makes perfect sense. I liken it to this analogy for anyone who thinks I'm I'm crazy, $122 a barrel. What do you mean it's not a good time to invest in in oil and gas? Um, My hometown of New York City, maybe even where you are in Austin. Go to like the main street, the main area, look at how many stores are for rent. And rents are low and people are like, this is the opportunity to open up your business or your restaurant, right? Go for it. You got inventory, you got prime real estate space, low prices. Um, Why not buy? And you say, well, look at the climate, right? Look Look at the economic climate of people still working from home because of COVID fear. Look at the crime climate of smash and grabs and cops that don't, have the authority to arrest people. Why would I open up a restaurant in downtown Manhattan right now? Well, it's a good opportunity. No, it's not. You know, Wind and solar, I'm sorry, oil and gas is the exact same thing. $122 a barrel, they should be investing. Not if I have Janet Yellen coming after my financing. Not if I have Deb Haaland, the Secretary of Interior, restricting my land use. Not if I have John Kerry and Gina McCarthy from their climate world coming after me, the Bureau of Land Management has a piece, Michael Regan at the EPA wants to chime in, the FERC, Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, Richard Glick, Chairman, he's got his say. So why would I invest millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, to dig more oil and gas wells if there's no climate to do it, right? doesn't matter the price point. Um, But all Janet Yellen needs to be asked, and this is again where I wish our members of Congress weren't such adults, well then, Secretary Yellen, why did they do this in 2017 and 18 and 19, right? Why why were we energy independent then? Why were we producing close to 14 million barrels then? And now we're still barely at um, 12. What, what what's what's the delta? Ah, COVID, supply chain, uh, climate change. Just name your Putin. Name your 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 foil. And that's the response. Right. Why was oil and gas investing hundreds of millions of dollars when the barrel price point was 65 on average? But they're not investing hundreds of millions now at 122. Joe Biden will tell you it's greed and you're an economic mind. So think about the fun of that. We are not producing more oil and gas at highest prices in history because we're greedy. Does that make any sense? right? Does Nike ever say, you know what, guys? These sneakers are hot. Everyone's buying them. Let's not sell anymore. Does Subway sandwiches ever say, boy, everyone wants the $5 footlong. Let, let, foot Let's shut down production. right? Of course, you make more of something at the high price point. That's So if we were greedy, wouldn't we want to produce more oil? Nope. For the first time in history, greed is expressed by the, the lack of interest in bringing goods to market. It's fascinating. I've never seen it before.
0: All right, it's it's pretty disgusting that they're trying to like paint everything as like, oh, look at the greedy oil and gas guys. They're they're trying to gouge you at the pump. But again, we had a prime example. We had Mike Worth, CEO of Chevron, come out. Uh, two weeks ago he was asked like what can we do to fix this problem he's like honestly there's probably nothing we can do due to the regulatory environment that we live in today like we need more refineries we need more pipelines but nobody's going to invest because refineries specifically take billions of dollars and many years The, the regulatory climate is such that nobody wants to allocate that capital or outlay that capital up front because they do not believe that the regulatory environment will allow them to get a return on that capital like we need yeah. refineries we need pipelines these are you want to talk infrastructure these are massive infrastructure projects that we should be working on but aren't because of the political sphere that we live in and the the climate hysteria yeah. that's taken over the country
1: and, it, and it's the same as the BlackRock conversation we were having earlier you know, you, you, they will say, well, you know, this is just the way the free market works, right? It's very expensive to build a refinery. But government regulations can price people out of the economy deliberately because of politics. Proof of that is, is Barack Obama, who said, and he still won election, he said, I'm not going to make coal illegal. I'm just going to say, if you open a coal plant in my administration, I'm going to make you go bankrupt. And And what did we do? We applauded right i mean we watched it happen so so then they say well like wow the reason why coal was going bankrupt is because of market forces that's a market force right if the market says every big mac has to pay a five dollar tax but the whopper gets a, a dollar coupon from the government and then they're like look at mcdonald's boy oh boy look at that that's the free markets for you marty that's the free markets, and that's what they do with the industry, with the energy space. So we've got this command and control economy where we're we're forcing people to make and buy solar panels, but we want to have a windfall profit tax on oil and gas. And Richard Glick won't approve ten infrastructure projects to bring our goods to market, and and Deb Holland and Michael Regan are adding layer on layer of of, of regulation to try to drill. And then they're like, well, you know what? Free markets show that. Wind and solar are actually more cost efficient. Oh, please! Let's take government out of the equation and see how cost efficient wind and solar are. So it's it's this is the result of the command and control economy and government picking its 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 favorites.
0: Yeah, and another like nuclear, <laughs> like yeah. So it's been like fifty years since, or thirty decades. You can say that for certain. It's been decades since a new nuclear facility has been uh, approved here in the United States, a purely re- regulatory nuclear energy is the most energy dense resource that we have on the planet. And yet
1: yeah. there's
0: uh, an inability and unwillingness from the political power structure to allow it to flourish. I mean, if you I mean, now, really, and
1: I, uh, this is going to sound like I'm a socialist. I'm not, I think I've made that clear, but, but our energy sector should be so robust and so abundant that it should almost be free, right? Or like electricity should almost be free in America if we had uh, uh, the ability to create nuclear plants and coal plants and natural gas plants. Um, It should be, it should be be pennies because there's so much abundance of it. And then what would people do with that extra money, right? What would they, uh, what are people not doing with their money right now because they're trying to fill up their car? They're not getting Chinese takeout, right? They're not going to, uh, uh, you know, vacation. They're not because they have they have to pay for gas, right? So this is where the inflation starts to eat up or the economy starts to fall into recession, I should say, because that extra money we're, we're not spending it on other goods. And we have a consumer economy, right? And, and that's just that's that's how the way our economy functions, uh, but not if you don't like the way the economy functions. So you would want people to spend their money on what you want them to spend it on um I, again the people ask me and and you know what what can we change to get oil prices down they're never coming down while biden is in office not because he's a bad guy or because he is um yes. uh, but, but not because of you know politics or because he's a democrat he's that too um it's because he doesn't believe in freedom and and if you believe in free markets the, the miracle of the Trump administration, and let me sound like a Trump acolyte for a second when it comes to energy, the miracle of the Trump administration was not that we discovered a new oil or gas patch. We didn't invent a new technology or see it come online You know, while he was in office. The miracle of the previous administration when it comes to energy is that he got out of the damn way. And when the free market is allowed to operate, it will produce more of a good for the greatest number of people possible at the lowest price point possible in the most efficient way possible. It's the way the, the markets will always work. Ask any 16 year old girl who's gotten a nose job. You know, we didn't have plastic surgery abundantly 40 years ago, but it's unregulated by government in the sense that there's no health insurance premiums. There's no, right? That's what LASIK, 30 years ago, only rich people could afford LASIK. Now. You get two for one specials because insurance doesn't cover it, comes out of pocket. And over time, it's available to more people for the greatest, for the lowest possible point in the most efficient way possible. Energy is exactly the same. So the miracle of President Trump was that he just allowed it to happen. Joe Biden does not believe in freedom. He believes in government. And he thinks he and his cadre of folks sitting around the table can come up with a solution last Friday in the port of Long Beach. He said, we can fix this, but we're just a couple votes short in the Senate. Government has the answer. And if only government had more power, they could, from the top down, bring. he always makes fun of trickle down. There's no more top down than him. (laughs) They could come up with the solution that would benefit the most people. And those two competing philosophies of freedom versus government can never coexist. And so people say, well, what do we do to lower gas prices? Nothing, because Biden does not believe that freedom is the solution. And I think the previous administration showed that free markets in the energy spaces are allowed to operate. Look at what it did. A $1.86 was the average gas price at one point in America. the only way that's possible is if you believe in freedom. And Joe Biden does not believe in freedom. He believes in government.
0: Yeah. The status, man. Ruining the world. Hopefully the American people wake up and realize that. How many times do we have to touch the stove and be burned? Like post 9-11, government steps in, Patriot Act, freedom's taken away. Post 2008, government steps in, bails out banks, uh, uh, you're... We're going to be printing a bunch of money and bleeding inflation into your life. Now, energy. Um, hey, we're actually going to go along with this green agenda. We're going to stop the proliferation of, of oil and gas and nuclear. Um, oh, sorry, your energy prices are going up. That's just the cost of this transition. We need to do it. It's how many times does a state need to make your life materially worse off? If anybody out there is listening and maybe... Uh, a believer that the government is the solution to our problems. like we just need I know,
1: and and I don't want to be an elected official. um, but I would be a governor, um not even the president, but I would be a governor because if you look at your state and if you believe in federalism in the Tenth Amendment and you believe that you know you could create the climate to make your state one of the greatest places in the world. That's why people are flocking to Texas, and Tennessee and and Florida, and it's not a Republican Democrat thing; it's a freedom versus non-freedom thing. But imagine imagine a governor having you know the, the guts to say we're building a refinery, and like well Greenpeace is gonna sue. I don't care. I'm gonna stop them. And this uh, the EPA is gonna come in, screw them. You know I I I have to go to Alaska a lot for this job, and I talked to the governor you know uh, uh, once or twice. And I and these people are 4,500 miles away. Joe Biden hasn't been to your state. In, in, in 14 years, one exception, on his way to Asia, he landed his plane, refueled, didn't get off the plane, didn't talk to anyone, and then they kept going to Asia. Kamala Harris has never been to the state of Alaska. You're waiting for some people 4,500 miles away to tell you what you can do in your state. Wow, gas prices are so high. Alaska, one of the greatest oil and gas states in the nation. Has to send all of its crude down to, I believe it's Northern California for a refinery, and then it comes back up. Alaska's paying almost six and a half dollars a barrel a gallon for gas because of those costs. Build a build a refinery. Oh, well regulation. Nope, doesn't matter. Build it in a refinery. And the same with education, and the same with so many other issues. Like this is my job as the governors to create the conditions so that the greatest number of people have the most means of production and freedom to live their lives. Uh, It would be great to have that power because God almighty, I know I would be good at it, but I believe in freedom, you know? And, and, but then again, there would be the movement stopping us, Marty, that they would say, but look at those people who were left on the side. There's always going to be people left on the side, but yeah, but but you could create conditions. Oh, be great.
0: No, that's, I mean, that's been the great silver lining of the last two and a half years is this this thrusting uh, onto the mainstream of federalism and states asserting their autonomy from the federal government. Like, yeah. I completely, like, just from a complex systems perspective, like like you said, these people sit in D.C., like in Alaska, as an example, 4,500 miles away. They're so, just from an information distillation Perspective, they're so far removed from the source of the information that they, they definitionally, the way a complex system works, they cannot make good decisions for these people. No, they're so far away from the information. Whereas, no, someone like you look at something like
1: the Department of Education, 16,000 people work in that building. I'm about two hours from DC. 16,000 people work in that building. Our kids are dumber than they have ever been. (laughs) Yeah. What, What do you like? Do we need more of an example to say you should just be all be fired? What do you do? You know, well, we create the policies. Well, it's not working because everyone is dumb, right? I, I have bad news for you, but they are like our kids are abysmally ill-educated, uh, shockingly ill-educated. Um, but there are sixteen thousand people, and they all make eighty-five thousand dollars a year. And you know, the Department of Commerce. What are the thirty thousand people who who? What do they do, right? So when you say like, I love that we're you know talking like decentralized. What I'm waiting for orders. For my people in the great – imagine if I was the governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. I'm not truly a Virginian. I've only lived here a couple of years, so I don't know if they'd ever – me Virginia is Virginia's very proud of Virginia. Um, but, but I'm the governor of the great Commonwealth of Virginia. I'm waiting for some idiot in the Department of Education to tell me about educating my kids. Oh, no. You 16,000 morons are too busy celebrating Gina's birthday, and you're in the conference room. I'll take care of my kids and I'll take care of my people on energy and I'll take care of my people on every other issue under the sun. Federalism is the only solution, I think, to our problems.
0: Yeah. It's just create competition among states. If You want to go do these green policies and uh, inject critical race theory into grade school curriculums. Go for it. But let us. uh, I mean, I'm an example of. I'm from Philadelphia originally was living in New York. My whole family's up in the Northeast, but, uh, again, it's a, it's a freedom thing. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, like I, I try not to dive into like the political realm too much, but I do. I like to consider myself a, somebody who loves freedom and actually cannot live, uh, get physically triggered if I you know, was getting physically triggered and, the New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia area due to the lockdown policies and had to, uh, the opportunities down here because of the Austin being one of the Bitcoin capitals of the world, but also the, the freedom that exists down here in Texas compared to what's going on in the Northeast was um, something I was naturally attracted to. And That's
1: oh, states
0: competing, you know.
1: Yeah. And that's healthy. And 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 and, and industries competing against each other. Right. And not having the government, you know, select for you, because, again, look at the failures when government selects. You know, coal should be competing with natural gas, should be competing with nuclear if nuclear are allowed to be built. Right. Make, make the electric grids compete, you know, for other sources of the best technology. And if wind and solar are viable options, again, they're not. I'm just trying to be polite here. You know, but but make them compete. But they don't have to compete. They have mandates and they have governors like past Republican governors in your state and across the country. They have governors who say, well, no, we're going to make it a law that says, you know, but every Saturday, Marty and his family have to eat at least four heads of kale. No one loves that more than the kale growers of America. And then they say, well, you know, what? Wow. The kale prices are really gone through the roof. Well, of course they have because they're making Marty eat it. Right. Well, it's for his good. It's for his, his own good, and so, and that's what we're doing with wind and solar. Would they be good products? I don't know. They're not. They don't work. But could could they potentially, if they were allowed to compete? So you're not even doing wind and solar a favor. That's what bothers me. You're, you, they will become an inferior product if they are not forced to compete against products that work. Right? They, it will become an inferior. It will not have it be a good technology. Competition makes you makes you better. Right, but yeah. we're not even allowing that to happen because of mandates. You're gonna produce so we're importing crappy co- solar panels from China because of mandates.
0: Yeah, you're gonna settle for like Soviet style factory goods, which are just yeah. like it's yeah. And then yeah, and it's so nonsensical. Like again, wind and solar inherently unreliable because the wind doesn't always blow, the sun doesn't shine for half the day. And then like the other thing, you're going to electrify, like the big electrify the economy meme, particularly with like car fleets. I was listening to the No Agenda podcast, which I mentioned earlier today. And like one thing John C. Dvorak like brought to my mind, like nobody's ever really thought through. Imagine having a city like New York City, 10 million people and all the cars in the city were electric vehicles. Like it is literally impossible to create enough charging stations for all those cars to charge overnight. Like... We will not be able it to build is. the infrastructure. Yeah.
1: I, I think Elon Musk said we need about five times the, gen- the, the current electricity production if we're going to have a truly electric vehicle fleet. And, and these are serious questions, right? So, OK, we're going to we're, we're, we're going to have all electric vehicles. That's the law that Biden wants to shove down our throats. And he's doing by executive order. Great. What does that require to the electric grid and to the electric grid and, and, and to transmission lines? Are we having that conversation No. What does that require for rare earth and and minerals uh, 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 mining and and raw materials, right? We need more copper. Every electric vehicle has around 80 pounds of copper. We need more copper than we have ever mined in the history of mankind. And we've been mining copper for around 8,000 years. We need more copper than we've ever mined in the history of mankind if we're going to have electric vehicles. Do we have serious conversations about copper mining? Absolutely not. Right. So a a five year old kid who opens a lemonade stand intrinsically understands he needs lemons. He just knows it. Right. Like, I got to just I want to open a lemonade stand. Dad, I know your kids are too young now, but just wait a couple of years. And boy, it's hot in Texas. They'll do well, hopefully. You know, but he knows he needs lemons. We're making this electric vehicle thing required by law. And we're not looking at sourcing the raw materials necessary another proof that these people are just communists. There you go. That's yeah. proof because yeah. that's not serious economic thinking.
0: No. And like, it's funny. It took this just offhand comment on this podcast. I listened to on the ride to this conversation. I can think of the land use. Like if you're going to go like a complete electric vehicle fleet, like the whole, all cities are just yeah. going to be, it's, you're bringing back phone booths and then adding, and it's an incredible amount of them on top of that, essentially with these charging stations, like the, the pavements will be rows of, of charging stations. If you actually want to make yeah. this happen, like the, how ugly is that? How inconvenient is that? What is the, and, yeah. what is the viability and, of actually getting use, that implemented?
1: And land use for all of the wind and solar, right? That's one of the serious conversations we don't talk about, right? Your, your wind farms in Texas, the biggest ones are 150,000 acres. Um, And there's not much more that happens on those wind farms. And it's funny, by the way, the environmentalists, when they're thrilled that you're building 150,000 acres of of wind farm, they never seem to find like a short-haired weasel habitat that's endangered, right? Like, so you want to drill a half mile on a half acre of land, and they always find some rare, you know, animal habitat that's endangered, or they find some sacred Native American and this little half acre, Done, but we're going to build 150,000 acres of wind turbine. Cool. Now, there's never anything sacred or rare. But anyway, how much land do we need for 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 this much wind and, and solar generation? The, so, the largest farm there in Texas, 100 uh, and so thousand acres, uh, it creates a, around a thousand uh, um, um, megawatts of, of of electricity. New York needs, on a good day, 14,000. You know, which would be 1.4 gigawatts for those people who love Back to the Future. One, you know, 14,000 megawatts of electricity. So we need almost two and a half million acres of land of wind, solar. Well, Brooklyn, where you lived, is 65,000 acres. Queens, where I'm from, is around 80,000 acres. Manhattan's around 30,000 acres. So what borough are we bulldozing? to build all of these solar wind wind turbines. It's basically Connecticut, right? Which is fine. No one likes Connecticut anyway. So just build those all of Connecticut and that's where we're going to get the wind. So that's a legit conversation. And then if the environmentalists say, well, no, we're just going to put it further and further away. Well, great. Run an electric cord, you know, a mile and see if it works. You know, just keep plugging in, you know, extension cord to extension cord and and then put a lamp after a mile. Is it going to turn on? Probably not because electricity dissipates over distance, right? Those are the laws of physics. So we're going to build a whole wind farm hundreds of miles away from New York City and just expect it to, it doesn't work that way. So these are just honest conversations we have to talk about, but we don't. So another yeah. proof they're communists, these conversations never happen. you yeah. are just told wind and solar, shut up and wear your mask. Yeah, and That's where we are. <laughs> and
0: it's, I mean, once you... Try to play through the logical conclusion if we were to attempt to do that. It's nonsensical. It's literally you're going to pillage the earth for all its resources and yeah. take up all of its land in the process. So it would be completely counterintuitive or not counterintuitive, counterproductive to the end goal that you're stating, um, which is to save the environment. You literally have to yeah. destroy the environment to make this even possible. Which, exactly. Again,
1: One of those huge wind turbines needs around 20,000 tons of cement and rebar, right? Because you got to anchor this thing to the ground, right? Otherwise they would fly, right? So you need a serious, I mean, these are big, right? They need a serious anchor to the ground. So we dig this massive hole, we retrofit it, we fit it out with rebar and 20,000 tons of cement is around 25 of those big cement trucks that you get stuck behind on the highway. So we need 25, how do we make cement? Well, the primary source is by burning coal because you have to heat the aggregate to the right temperature. So we can burn coal to make cement to put 25 cement trucks worth of stuff in the ground to put up a wind turbine to make electricity, but we can't burn coal to make electricity. Okay, that's logical. How do you make solar panels? Right. Well, the the, the crystalline quartzite has to be heated to around 1,400 degrees to be put into a you know molten form, molten form. Uh, to make the solar panels because it's quartz, right? It's quartz rock that has to be melted. Um, what burns at fourteen hundred degrees? Coal. So we can so we can burn coal to make solar panels to make electricity, but we can't burn coal to make electricity. You just explain that logic to me, right? Like what? Why is why is burning coal to make cement and solar panels good, but burning coal to make electricity is bad? If you believe in global climate change, right? If it's all connected, we're all one big world. Well, then isn't burning coal, burning coal? Why don't we burn coal in an efficient way? Nope. Can't burn coal. It's bad for the environment. These, these are the conversations I have on a daily basis. And that's why I I'm insane. And I have no more hair because I pulled it out <laughs> because this is the logic of the environmentalist.
0: Well, and the other thing with coal too, like coal burning power facilities have become significantly quote unquote cleaner over time too. There's a lot of scrubbing technology. Like it's not as people think coal power generation. They think industrial era England with smog in the air and and literal coal ash falling uh, on society and people having a terrible quality of air. But the technology that we've created in recent decades has allowed us to create a cleaner emissions by burn while burning coal, correct?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Again, dirty is a phrase that the environmental left puts on us and I don't embrace it, even though I sometimes say it and they say, well, coal is, it, it, it is cleaner now. And, but it used to be dirty. I don't, I don't buy those phrases, but I understand what you're saying, but I will not let the left choose my, my, my qualifiers and my adjectives, but we have, Right, we have on everything, and wind and solar—they tell me—are clean. Again, but we're burning coal to make these technologies. We're literally digging up the dirt and pouring tons of, of, of cement and rebar into the earth, but that's somehow clean. When those crystal, when those crystalline quartzite panels break because they break because they're glass-ish, right? They leach co- toxic chemicals into groundwater. How come we don't ever have a conversation, a serious conversation? about about solar panel groundwater contamination. No, solar panels are are green. I got this lovely farm I have in here in Virginia. A lot of my gates are solar paneled. You get five days of snowfall and coverage, those gates are dead. That's one of my most annoying things is to get out of the car and drown through the snow and find the solar panel thing and brush off the snow, but then they need to charge for a couple hours before they can operate. Now I'm manually opening and closing all of my gates and moving Et cetera, et cetera. We're going to have hundreds of thousands of acres of, of solar panels. Can they get covered in snow? right? Can they get covered in dust? How are we cleaning these these do they break? right? what So again, the wind doesn't always blow, the sun doesn't always shine, but things break. you know wind turbines last 10 years. Is, is, do people know that? right? Do you think these guys run indefinitely? Solar panels last around 12 years. What are we replacing them with? What are we doing with the old ones? You know what we're doing? Literally right now, we are digging a gigantic hole in parts of Wyoming and in Iowa, and we are dumping them in the ground because that's what we do as environmentalists. We dump crystalline quartzite and and plastic uh, uh, um, turbine blades in the ground. Is there groundwater contamination? I don't know. Does anyone really care? All that matters is that we feel good about ourselves. Yeah. It's fucking
0: insane. We live in an insane world.
1: <sighs> I talk a lot. I apologize. No. Barry. I get very on these issues. You've been a gracious host to allow me to spat off so much. No, but, I
0: talk. I mean, this is an important issue. I think what you're doing <laughs> at Power of the Future, again, like we need to change the narrative on the energy. It's not even a debate. Like Again, they're like, debate us. There is no debate. No. The more cheap, abundant energy energy leads to more human flourishing and said i'm in yeah. the middle of fossil future by alex epstein great right book. now um and I, I think one thing that he does great uh, again i'm only halfway through but one of my favorite parts of what he's done throughout the first half of the book is really highlight that again this comes down when you get the first principles it comes down to like the knowledge systems that are dissipating this information like how it's mm-hmm. framed in the media and and, and the information that the quote unquote experts are actually using to, to thrust their propaganda. And when you get down to the brass tacks, first principles of what these people are spouting, it's, it's all false. Like it's all untrue. Yes. Like they're, they're not being uh, forthright with the the framing of their arguments. And so what we really need to do, what Alex does an incredible job of is really take control of the framing energy use is good. Abundant cheap energy is good. It leads to human flourishing. Anybody mm-hmm. who is trying to take away cheap, abundant energy is anti-human. And I think that's, Absolutely. that's the mirror we need to begin holding up and really leaning into. Is like, no, you're anti-human. And I think that does have a very jarring effect on people. Like, I don't want to be anti-human. I love humans. Um, yeah. and, and really framing it like, no, Joe Biden, uh, Janet Yellen... Uh, your regime that is trying to force us into unreliable, uh, quote unquote renewable. us the other thing. Like that's why, I, like whenever I, I agree, I don't think we should adopt their vernacular. That's why I always try to say quote unquote, like so, like quote unquote renewable. It's not renewable, like you just said. Like they have very short life cycles. Um, we need just be like again ridiculing people. Like you're anti-human. Like we, I'm not going to listen to you. You're you're a hypocritical, anti-human leech. <laughs> needs to uh get out Absolutely. of the way and let us flourish here
1: and then they need to be destroyed and and the hubris of these people who don't appreciate what others have built before them this great american economy this great american experiment and 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 it is because of abundant reliable and expensive energy and and they've benefited from it from their medicines and their healthcare and their schooling and their 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 quality of life and and Rather than look at all this and say, boy, this is incredible that millions of people, again, I pencil, millions of people and millions of transactions allowed to the point that I wake up in the morning and I look at my $900 phone and I turn off the alarm and I flip on the coffee and I take a hot shower. And there's no appreciation of that to say, how is all this possible? Right. And what can I do to ensure it continues for as many people as as possible? They look at it with with complete cluelessness and they think that they can create a system that will rival it. And in the process, they're plunging many, many people into, into poverty. And, and I know we're hitting on the, the 30 mark, but I will end it with what I said at the beginning. Watch and see when the blackouts come this summer, what neighborhoods are plunged into darkness. And that will tell you everything you need to know about your government and what they think of its people.
0: Be on the lookout, freaks. Daniel, thank you for coming on number one and more importantly for what you're doing at power of the Thank future. You. What, if anything, can uh, anybody listening to this podcast do to help you in your efforts at power of the future?
1: Uh, follow us online, power of the future.com. give money, of course, because we are a C4. So I will take any and all uh, money. Uh, but most of all, get involved at the localist level. So much of this happens at the county and local level. And that's where you need to be incredibly active. The presidential election is huge, of course. Pay attention at, at the local level. And when your local county commissioner says, we're going to pass a law that says Davidson County is going to be 75% renewable by nope, that person has to be destroyed. That person's your enemy. Fight at the local, local level. And if you need help fighting, give us a call at powerthefuture.com and we'll help you out.
0: Awesome. Well, Daniel, thank you again. It's been a fascinating conversation. Hopefully we could do it again in the future.
1: I would love to, and I'll talk less.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, talk more. Talk more. This is, I ask questions, like, this is, again, we're in an information war. We need to get as much information, good information as possible out there. So the more talking, sense, the better. I think my audience got a bit smarter today.
1: Oh, thank you, Marty. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Daniel. Uh, That's all we got today, freaks. Peace and love. Okay.